adding to faith in Jesus some work of the ceremonial law, in particular in the context, circumcision. Jesus plus circumcision equals you're really clean before God. Well, that's false. Paul makes that very clear in Philippians. He also makes it clear in the book of Galatians, and he even makes it clear in the book of Romans. So false gospel, the true gospel, the true people of God, are those who put no confidence in the flesh. Jesus plus no confidence in the flesh. Jesus is sufficient for our standing before God to clean us up. And today we'll be looking specifically at Christ's righteousness being imputed uh, to us. Paul also, in these three verses, issued a very stern warning to the Philippians, exhorting them not to buy into this false gospel from these false brothers, but rather to put no confidence in the flesh. And then after this warning in verses 1 through 3, Paul gives in verses 4 through 11, which will be our focus today, what amounts to a Christian testimony. We all have a Christian testimony. And Paul has a Christian testimony, and this is one form of it here in these uh, verses. Over the years, I've taught workshops helping people understand and actually craft a simple Christian testimony that can be given in three minutes or less. I've done that myself. I've taught other people to do that. And the key to doing a three-minute testimony is not to cover everything about your life, which, by the way, gets a little tedious when you're listening to a testimony like that, but to take one aspect of your life and to talk about it before Christ or if you're a covenant child in light of struggling with that issue, even though you know Jesus. And then you were converted, and then the difference that makes. So kind of before and after conversion, looking at that one issue in life. And this is what Paul does in this testimony. He takes the aspect of righteousness, and he shows us that before Christ, his understanding of righteousness was a righteousness of my own, a personal righteousness. And then in our passage to today, we will see the Apostle Paul speaking in terms of knowing Christ, gaining Christ, being united to Christ, being converted, having saving faith, and then the differences that that makes. That I no longer base my standing before God on a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness from God. A righteousness that doesn't depend on my work, but a righteousness that depends on faith. Faith in the perfect work of Christ. And then Paul shows further the difference that makes in living a life of power, even referring to his last days as he will one day die and experience the resurrection power ultimately in a new life in heaven. And so today we'll be looking at this passage of Scripture. Think of it in terms of Paul sharing his testimony. And now let me read the passage for us, but before I do, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this clear teaching 
in Philippians 3 on the gospel and especially the righteousness that is from God through Christ. And I pray, Father, that we might be encouraged today to not live in our own strength based on our own effort, our personal righteousness, but daily count that as rubbish that we may gain the righteousness of Christ by faith as it has been imputed to us. We might live by it and rest in it. And so work, I pray, bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll read all 11 verses of chapter, well, chapter 3 has more than 11 verses. I'll read the first 11 verses in chapter 3 just to give us the context. So if you, if you would please turn there in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It is perfect, reviving the soul, and may it revive our souls today. That is our hope and that is God's promise to us as he's promised to work his word in our hearts. Our outline is very simple. It's really based on verse 9 of our passage. And I think in, under these two points we'll find the three aspects of a testimony that I spoke about earlier before being converted and then after coming to Christ, the difference that Christ makes. And the two points are simply the points that are made in verse 9, where Paul speaks about a righteousness of my own, and then secondly, the righteousness from God. I like that, a righteousness of my own, but then the definite article, the righteousness from God, the only righteousness that will do, that will enable us to have a right standing before God. So first, let's look at a righteousness of my own. So a curriculum vitae, a CV, meaning in the Latin, the course of one's life, refers to a written overview 
of a person's life work. So maybe you've had to produce a CV for a job interview or for some other event. A CV is, is, a more, in, is more in depth than a one to two page resume. This CV covers all sorts of things, one's academic preparation and achievements. It also includes publications and qualifications and it goes on and on about that individual's work record. And so an impressive CV or resume may be the difference in landing that face-to-face interview for that really great job. If we view our standing before God as being based on a righteousness of my own, then we better have a very, very impressive CV, overview of our pedigree and our achievements. And it would need to be a flawless CV that we might get that standing before God. In verses 4 through 6, Paul basically gives a curriculum vitae. I mean, he tells us all of the accomplishments that he has made to manufacture his own righteousness. He gives us a list that shows his pedigree. And so the Apostle Paul warned in verse 2 about putting confidence in the flesh and he says here if anybody has a right to put confidence in the flesh it is me and here is my curriculum vitae here is my resume that proves that point so if you look uh, to verses 5a and 5b just the first couple of sections of verse 5 you'll see Paul's pedigree as a Jew, rather impressive. He was circumcised, not just circumcised, but circumcised on the eighth day according to the ceremonial law, Leviticus 12.3. Second, he was part of the tribe of Benjamin. This was a tribe that had a place of honor. As the Israelites would go out to war, the tribe of Benjamin would have a position of honor in the, the procession. The tribe of Benjamin was, was loyal to the, the Davidic dynasty during the divided monarchy. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul gives importance to the fact that he is from the tribe of Benjamin. Circumcised on the eighth day from an honor, honorable tribe of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Third, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was born in Greek-speaking Tarsus. And from his father, he was also a Roman citizen, but he was raised as a Hebrew. He was raised as a Jew. He did not consider himself a Hellenistic Jew, though he was raised in a more Greek culture. He considered himself a Hebrew Jew. That's how he was raised. He spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. He identified himself as a Hebrew. So Paul says, if anyone has a right, to put confidence in the flesh, it is me because of my pedigree. And then secondly, Paul says, if anyone has a right, 
to put confidence in flesh. It is me because of my achievements. You look at the, the last part of verse 5 into verse 6. Paul CV includes in the first place, achievement of being a Pharisee, an expert in the law. He, he viewed the law as what would give righteousness, obedience to the law. So in verse 9, a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law. That's, that really is very telling about Paul's understanding of righteousness as a Pharisee. Paul described the Pharisees in Acts 26 as the strictest party of our religion. He studied under Gamaliel, a leading Pharisee of the day. So Paul says, I achieved as a Pharisee. Secondly, Paul says, I achieved, I excelled as a persecutor of the church. In fact, the text says, or Paul says, he was zealous as a persecutor of the church. His zeal for the law, in fact, is shown in his zeal to persecute uh, Christians. And we know the story very well in the book of Acts, starting with persecuting Christians in Jerusalem. And as he was going up to Damascus to persecute Christians, that's when Jesus converted him. So zealous as a Pharisee, many achievements, zealous as a persecutor, much vigorous persecution of the church. And then thirdly, and this is amazing, Thirdly, he says, blameless under the law. If anyone has a right to say, I have confidence in the flesh, Paul says, it would be me. Not only am I a Pharisee, not only did I demonstrate my love for the law, my zeal for the law, in equally and vigorously persecuting Christians, but as I stand before the law, as I stand under the law, I can say I'm blameless. I have observed the law perfectly. There's no fault in me. Wow. Can you imagine ever saying that? Paul did before Acts 9. This really gets to the real issue, Paul putting confidence in his flesh, his ability to observe the law, to be blameless before it, to be inherently righteous by conforming to the law, to be personally righteous by observing every little aspect, every bit of minutia of the law. And we know from the Sermon on the Mount, which is a wonderful way to learn really the modus operandi of the Pharisee because Jesus confronts the Pharisees time and time again by being so consumed with the letter of the law, though not at all concerned with the spirit of the law, being concerned with outward conformity, neglecting the heart issue, even to the extent of measuring out spices and mint and cumin to the nth degree while not loving their neighbor as themselves. Well, there was someone else in, in the Bible that claimed to be blameless before the law. And if you were to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18 and wander down to verse 21, you would find the story of the rich young ruler. And as Jesus is dialoguing him and the, the rich young ruler kind of goes through, at least he chooses some of the law uh, to claim that he had met 
and he says, all these I have kept from my youth. That's what the rich young ruler said. In other words, he said the same thing Paul said. I am blameless before the law. Of course, he was only looking at this from the perspective of the letter of the law, outward conformity. Hey, so I haven't murdered anyone, and so I've kept the law perfectly. But Jesus said, what about hating your brother, your neighbor? It's a violation of the law. I have a question for us. What might represent all these for us? The rich young ruler said, all these I have kept from my youth. All these and my blameless status is what I'm trusting in and resting in to have a right standing before God. So what might be the all these for you and for me? You know, we affirm here at Covenant And I suspect if I were to go and just one by one quiz each and every one of you, which might be fun, by the way, but if I were to do that and to ask you to affirm that justification is by grace through faith on the merits of the imputed righteousness of Christ, we would probably all say, yes, I I agree with that. And we should. And I believe we do. That's the teaching of our church because it's the teaching of the Bible. Justification by grace through faith in Christ, solely upon his merits. But we live sometimes thinking, if I read my Bible more, if I pray longer, if I get involved with that ministry over that one, or more ministry, if I give more money, God will like me better. If I am faultless, In all these, I will be a better Christian, and God will be more pleased with me. I will be cleaner before him. Does our Christian curriculum vitae include a list of righteousness by my own efforts? A list of actions that we are depending on to have a better standing before God. We need to repent of our sin, absolutely, and I think we need to repent of our righteousness of our own. Righteousness, Paul says, that is of my own, is a righteousness that is a dead end. It is not a righteousness that will do before God. Only a righteousness from God that depends on faith. Renee and I recently watched the Masterpiece Theater series based on Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. Have any of you seen that? We we enjoyed watching it. We've seen the play a couple of times. I actually think I figured out what was going on by uh, watching (laughs) the series. It's really a story of law and grace and mercy and self-sacrifice and repentance and forgiveness and redemption. It's an amazing story. Jean Valjean was a thief, an ex-convict, a parolee, 
who made a life for himself after spending 20-some years in prison because he stole a loaf of bread. And so he made a life for himself. He, he became uh, an important man in a town. He became uh, wealthy, became respectable. He made a promise to Fontaine to care for her daughter Colette as Fontaine was dying. So he was a man of integrity, wanting to help people. Given his success, however, he always viewed himself as an ex-con, a thief, prisoner, 24601. No amount of life success would alleviate that view of himself. He did not deserve anything good in his judgment. And he certainly didn't deserve the love of Cosette, the young girl that he took and raised as his own daughter to keep a promise to, to Cosette's mother, Fontaine. We may achieve much in this world. We may achieve much in this world by our own effort. But without Christ, we are nothing more than prisoner 24601. Our best efforts are but filthy rags before God. Until we see ourselves as ill-deserving of God's favor, demeriting God's favor, until we, we see our, ourselves as rubbish before God, and certainly our righteousness our righteous efforts as rubbish, we will never understand grace. We will never understand the gospel. And we will never gain Christ. Verse 7 is a very significant verse in Paul's testimony. Having given us a pretty clear picture of his before Christ view of righteousness, righteousness of my own, verse 7 begins with a very important word, it is a word that introduces a turning point in Paul's testimony and in Paul's life. And it's that little word, but, verse 7. Paul now gets into this second view of righteousness, this, this righteousness from God. And he speaks in terms of gain, loss, and gain. Look at verses 7 through 9. I think Paul is describing here, at least in part, conversion, what it looks like to come to Christ, and then what it looks like to live a life in Christ. And he describes it in terms of a profit and loss statement. In the financial world, a company might have a profit and loss statement, and the hope is that the profit column will show a bigger number than the loss column. That's the hope, right? And... It's just the opposite, however, with Christianity. Because what Paul is showing here in verse 7 is that whatever gain I had, think back to what he just said in verses 4 through 6, his pedigree and his achievements. Whatever gain I have, whatever profit by my human effort, whatever is in that profit column, 
And that big number at the bottom, Paul says, I count as loss. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that in that profit column, I take that from the profit column and I put it over in the loss column. It becomes a detriment to me. It is lost to me. It is in the lost column of my balance sheet. I view it as loss. And then more in verse 8, Paul goes further by counting everything that went into uh, making his own righteousness and a life and all of life as lost. He, he restates verse 7. He speaks in terms of suffering the loss of all things, actually living without them. And then he speaks in terms of counting all things as rubbish, trash, refuse, garbage of no value. So all of that stuff that at one time was profit to him, was important to him, was life to him, is now lost to him. And he's willing to suffer the loss of all things, actually live without them, and even to count them as garbage. Well, who would do that? Who would take all those great things that a person does and count them as garbage? And the answer is one who gains Christ. This radical profit loss reality describes one who is converted for the sake of Christ, the text says, and now lives for the sake of Christ. Look at verse 7. But, whoever, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. I count everything as loss for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things. All the gain that Paul earned by his own efforts... He credited from the profit column to the loss column and then took all of that in the loss column and th threw it on the rubbish pile, the refuse pile, to be burned for one reason, to gain Christ. Another way to look at this is that if we don't impute all the stuff that is in our profit column to the lost column, we cannot gain Christ. Coming to Christ is counting as loss that which we have gained. We have counted as gain. Now let's read all of verses uh, 8 and 9. And just think of the Apostle Paul describing one being united to Christ in saving faith and living as a person united to Christ in saving faith. I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing, that knowing redemptively, Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, in order to be found in or united to Christ in saving faith, we have to view our life as literally moving 
all that stuff that is a righteousness of our own from the profit column to the loss column. To die to it, to view it as garbage. But then what happens is that we gain so much more. Our profit column is actually a larger number than we had. An infinitely larger number, by the way. To be found in him is to be united to Christ. And it means that, we, that now in our profit column, on our little balance sheet, is the perfect righteousness, as Paul says, that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. God is the source of this righteousness. This righteousness is Christ's righteousness, and it is what is in, imputed to my profit column. Do you get what Paul is doing here? We have our own righteousness in our profit column. We have to count that as loss, even rubbish, gain, loss. But then in Christ Jesus, his perfect righteousness is imputed to our profit column ultimate gain we are now accepted at, on the basis of Christ's perfect righteousness on the basis of Christ's perfect record his perfect law obedience his perfect active obedience and God imputes that to our account through the instrument of faith so being found in Christ means I'm accepted as perfectly righteous because of the perfect righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to me. That's my standing before God. So let me summarize this doctrine just very, very briefly. A Westminster Standard Shorter Catechism defines justification as an act of God's free grace wherein we are pardoned of all our sins and accepted as righteous in God's sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Isaiah 53:11 that was read earlier, out of the anguish of his soul he that is Christ shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge he shall by his knowledge shall the righteous one my servant make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Romans 3:21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Before Christ, a righteousness of my own, coming to Christ in saving faith, a righteousness from God that depends on faith in Jesus. And in verses 10 through 11, just very quickly, just the difference that Christ makes. Uh, living under this, this righteousness that comes from God means we're able to know Jesus, to have a personal relationship with him. And we also live in his 
power, the power of the resurrection. We have newness of life. Secondly, we are called to turn from everything and follow him in full devotion. That is, we are those who share in the sufferings of Christ. Remember Jesus calling his disciples and he says, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, being a disciple of Jesus Christ implies suffering. It means dying to all sorts of things so that Jesus is, so we are fully devoted to Jesus. He is number one in our life. The Christian life is a life of service and sacrifice for the sake of Christ. But then ultimately, in verse 11, what Paul is saying here, that Christ makes a difference because we will experience the power of the resurrection in the last day when our bodies experience resurrection and we, have, we live in heaven with a new body before our Savior, the end of our salvation, glorification. We all have a testimony, and Paul's testimony can be summarized in just this simple little phrase. I must lose everything I have gained by my effort to gain everything by faith in Christ that I can never earn and will never lose. Just a, just a brief word as we close. So practically, how, how might this, this work out? I just remember that you know, I've always struggled with depending on my own effort, and I will always struggle with depending on my own effort. And I really struggled with this when I was in college because I had such a desire to excel academically. And academic achievement was everything to me. I mean, it, it just was, was my life. And it was a great, great burden to bear. And, but yet, I came to the place of realizing that my own efforts, and it's good to excel academically, it's, it's good to do the right thing, but yet ultimately when I stand before God in heaven, what is going to matter? Is it going to be my academic success? And I doubt God is going to ask for my transcript from college, although the pulpit committee here at Covenant did. Some of you were on that committee, and you know who that was, wanted to see my transcript from college, which I provided, mostly A's. See, academic success. But before God, if I achieve academically or from an utter failure academically, I am perfectly justified in Christ Jesus. Do you get it? What's in your profit column? We all have one. Is it a righteousness of my own? If it is, ask God to give you the grace to impute your record to the lost column and to view it as rubbish that you might gain Christ by a righteousness from God that depends on faith, not by my own effort. And for most of us here, that's already happened. 
Christ's perfect righteousness is in our profit column. But you know what we do? We take a pencil and we make another little profit column beside it, a little counterfeit column. And I know this drives Bill crazy and John as, as financial people. But anyway, we just make another little profit column and we start adding my righteousness thinking that bottom line is going to get bigger. You know what? It never does because the righteousness of Christ and our prophet is an infinite number that never changes. It never diminishes and it never increases because it's perfect. No matter how bad we do, no matter how much we try to add to it, no matter how much our loss column does increase, by the way, <laughs> right? We still struggle with sin. That number's not going to change. And dear brothers and sisters, that is our hope. That my standing before God is based not on a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness from God that depends on faith. Faith in Christ who has imputed his perfect righteousness to my prophet column. May we not try to add to it, but may we rest in it. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Father, we are, and I speak for myself, and maybe there are one or two here that might agree. Lord, we, I am a recovering Pharisee, and sometimes my recovery is not all that great. And so we need you to remind us of our standing before God. It's not based on our effort, either as unbelievers or believers. It is based on the perfect righteousness of Christ. And give us the grace to affirm that, to live in it, to rest in it, to rejoice in it, to celebrate. And it will really become a very precious reality when we take our last breath here on this earth. The ultimate way that Christ makes a difference in our life. Because it is only that perfect righteousness that will gain us access to heaven. So cause us to rest in it. To, in Jesus' name, amen. Take